how sleep deprivation affects your overall, not just the mom's overall mental health, but the whole entire family. This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. So welcome, everybody, to this week's episode on the Therapy for Dads podcast. Um, This week, I have a special guest, and it's part of the prepping and navigating the postpartum phase. And this is going to be one of a few on sleep. Sleep is a big topic. Um big issue, big mountain that we all have to climb within the postpartum phase. Um, some of which sleep is, uh, or lack of sleep for the matter is completely normal, completely common, just part of bringing a brand new human into the world and various reasons as to why. But, but on this week I have a, again, special guest and her name is Yasmin and I'm excited to have her on to talk about a aspect of sleep, and that's specifically sleep deprivation. But before we jump in, welcome, welcome. How are you doing tonight? Thank you. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into this week's topic. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here talking about this with you today. Um, my name is Yasmin Johnston. I am a pediatric sleep consultant. I'm also a mom of two. I've got two little boys. And I started on this journey after my own struggles with sleep deprivation after my second son was born. Um, Located in the Metro Detroit area, I provide um, sleep support services for families worldwide um, through one-on-one virtual support. And I'm also working towards uh, my maternal mental health certification. That is one of the biggest reasons why I got into this is just being able to support Mm -hmm. the mental health of parents and also help them get their sleep back. That's, I think it's such a needed needed area of expertise, and I love that you're doing the mental health piece too because I think it, they, they definitely go together hand in hand. They're not separate. They're for sure together. And so I'm, I'm wondering how long you've been practicing so far in this field. So I started with the sleep consulting back in 2020. Um, I had my mm-hmm. second son in 2019 and dealt with the lack of sleep for about five months, hired a sleep consultant, absolutely loved the experience and realized it was such it was such a needed thing. I, I didn't realize that so many you know new moms or new parents were struggling um, with their child's sleep. And so I wanted to be able to provide that support that the sleep consultant I had hired was able to provide for me for other families. Once you start navigating that and realizing the importance of sleep and getting help, it makes a difference in everyone's life. Absolutely. Yeah, it's something maybe that my wife and I could have hired. We didn't. Um, we figured it out, but there is some painstakingly uh, things we had to figure out along the way. Um, and looking back now, I'm like, you know, it might it might have been good to, to to do that. I think we just didn't think about it. I think when we were having kids, we, we weren't thinking about a sleep consultant. We're like, this is just, we got to figure it out. So I'm glad you're on and I'm glad we get to talk about this because I think there's a lot of new parents um, or parents of, you know, having their second or third that might be able to gain some insight from this conversation. Um, so the first question I want to ask is, well, is lack of sleep normal? Is having lack of sleep normal with a newborn? I mean, it is definitely to be expected. Like we all go into it knowing that we're going to lose some amount of sleep. Um, How much sleep we lose is kind of dependent on the baby and the support system that you have in place. Lack of sleep is pretty normal part of welcoming home a new baby. Yeah. And uh, is there a standard amount that you should have? So the average adult needs about seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Um, but 
when you have a new baby and they're needing to wake up to feed every two to three hours. And then if you figure, okay, they wake up, you change their diaper, you feed them, you burp them, then you try to resettle them, get them back down. For some kiddos, this process can take upwards of an hour. So if you're doing that three, four times a night, you're not getting anywhere near that seven to nine hours of needed sleep. And that's expected. Again, that's part of a new new child because as we know or are figuring out, babies don't sleep on the same patterns, especially in the beginning as adults do, right? They don't have that, you know, 10 o'clock at night, six o'clock in the morning wake up, right? <laughs> It'd be nice if they did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. Wouldn't it be great if they just came out and were and and and, and they just slept like us? That'd be that would solve a lot of problems. But oh my um, gosh, great. because <laughs> yeah, you probably have more kids. Well, yes, I think a lot of us would. Like, oh yeah, sure, this is great. I could have ten more kids. So with this sleep and what we know, there is a change in a pattern of moms, dads, and baby sleep within the first few weeks, if not months. Um, which takes time. And that's going to be different, I think, for every family. That's going to be different for every baby. Um, and there's differences, different reasons as to why that contributes to the change of sleep, not just hormones, but I think there's other contributors as well. And I guess from your professional experience, what are some of the other contributors of sleep issues that you've seen from your experience? Yes, yeah, so a lot of the other issues could, or a lot of the contributing factors could be the environment. So how the environment is set up for sleep, if it's an optimal environment, um, we're also looking at like parental response, um, what they're doing in order to support their child's sleep, um, education, having background knowledge on age appropriate wake windows, um, age appropriate schedules. Uh, that's, you know, when baby first comes out, we're just like, okay, you know, eat, sleep, poop, repeat, like that's what we do, right? Yep. <laughs> and then as they start... And diaper, diapers are in there as well. Diapers are in there as well. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. not just the poop. Yeah. We got to do the diaper change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, you're just like on this on this cycle, right? Because mm -hmm. your newborn isn't awake for very long in the beginning. And then their nap could be anywhere from, you know, you could have like a very short sleep cycle of 20 minutes or they could sleep upwards of three hours and you're like, okay, there's, you know, just no consistency with it, which I think is one of the parts that is the biggest struggle for a lot of new parents is not having that consistency with how their sleep cycles go. Yeah. And that's something I could definitely relate to that. There was a lack of consistency, especially early on. Um, absolutely. I can relate to that. Um, and so it kind of leads me into kind of the, the topic of this week's episode, which is the sleep deprivation that... Um, let's talk about what that is and kind of how that kind of comes into play, especially with a newborn. So, so what is sleep deprivation first and foremost? Yeah. So sleep deprivation is really just when you're not getting the amount of sleep that you need. So if you're a person who typically needs eight hours of sleep each night and you have one night where you only get six hours, you could say technically that you're sleep deprived from last night because you didn't get your normal amount of sleep. Um, the, the issue with new parents is it's that accumulation of the sleep deprivation or that sleep debt. So we're one person, if they missed out on an hour of sleep the night before, they can kind of recover over the next couple of days. But for a new parent, they're constantly getting that lack of sleep each night. And so their sleep deprivation ends up being more of a chronic issue versus just an acute issue. They actually did a study where 
they found that um, the average like new parents lose about 133 nights of sleep in the first year of life. With that sleep deprivation, like talking about even just losing one hour of sleep, what they found in another study is that it can take up to four days to recoup that hour of lost sleep. So mm. if you're a new parent who's losing, you know, yeah, three yeah. hours of sleep each night, that takes you a long time. <laughs> Yeah. So I would say no wonder why we're tired and no wonder why it's hard to find uh, a rested feeling or day because it's that compound effect, like you said, of days and days and days. And then you don't have four days to recover. Right. Right. When do we get to recover for most parents? Right. Especially early on. When are you when are you recovering to to catch up? You can't, Um, (laughs) especially if you got other my experience. We have it. Yeah, especially if you have the kids. Even with one kid, my experience, there is no recovery time unless someone made it a point to give someone sleep. Um, And even then, that's not always doable depending on the baby. So sleep deprivation... Would we say there's some? There's definitely some level of normalcy that we're all going to be somewhat sleep deprived Mm -hmm. within the first days, weeks, months of a baby, right? Because like in according to your definition, is that hey, even missing an hour is sleep deprived depending on what your normal sleep schedule is needing, and so most of us are. And so I guess, is there first a problem with being sleep deprived? Is there an issue with that? Does it cause any impact on us? Oh, yeah. There's a massive impact. Um, The sleep deprivation, you know, it's comparable to driving drunk. So if you are sleep deprived and trying to drive, you know, it, it could have the same exact outcome. There's also, you know, other effects such as it makes you moodier. Like if we don't get the sleep we need, we're, we're crankier the next day. Um, you're clumsier, you're more forgetful. Um, you have a decreased sex drive, decreased mental stability. Uh, so that's where we see that increase in like postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression and, and other PMADs. Um, there's also, it can cause an increase in appetite or weight gain. Because you're just like constantly shoving sugar and carbs in your face to keep yourself awake. Motivation. It really affects our motivation. You know, like if we're tired, we don't want to get up and do all the things that we need to be doing. Um, And even just that overall ability to focus on simple tasks. So when you're sleep deprived, not only does your performance at work go down if you're going back to work because you can't focus on these tasks, but even simple things in your household, you know, trying to do things for the baby or organize some things. It's hard to focus on those when you're so tired. Yeah. It sounds, you know, as I'm hearing this list that you just um, listed off, you know, some of these sound, and you even mentioned, um, you know, PPD, postpartum depression, but these sound like even some of the symptoms of just depression, like major depressive episode, you know, yep. concentration issues, appetite changes, irritability, motivation, energy, focus, like these are all symptoms of depression. And so I think there's an overlap between acute or sleep deprivation with depression. And sometimes it could feel like you said, it can maybe enhance it. Like if I'm having PPD or peep, you know, or postpartum anxiety, this lack of sleep could also kind of multiply or ma- you know magnify, so, so to speak symptoms because now this other computering factor um and so it's very uh, it can really cause some strain in fact i remember you know you speak to moodiness and i'll share a real quick snippet that with my wife and i with especially with our first we rarely slept it was one of the hardest probably hardest things we've ever done um he had colic and just was difficulty in sleeping and so i remember numerous times either coming in my wife was crying on the floor or i'd be on the floor crying because just so tired and yeah. also the irritability that we would even get 
irritated with each other, but not knowing why. There's no reason. We didn't do anything against each other, but my patience level was shot. What normally I'd be able to be fine with, it's like anything. I'd have no patience and just be angry and be upset and frustrated. Um, and my tolerance was really low. And so I think that was mostly because I was completely and utterly sleep deprived. In fact, we both were. And so I'm wondering, with the clients you've worked with, what impact have you seen it seen it having on relationships between within partners? Oh, it's, I mean, it has a really big impact. I would say that that's one of the top things that, um, you know, that they express concern about is, you know, we, we always have like an initial call before we get things going or find out if working together is a good fit. But one of the things that they always um, bring up is, how this lack of sleep has impacted their marriage or their relationship saying like, you know, we don't even sleep in the same bed anymore. We're not mm. intimate anymore. We argue all the time. Um, you know, we're just bickering over every little thing and it really does have such a drastic impact on that relationship. And once they're able to start getting that sleep again, that's one of the first things that they say has improved. They're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like I have time mm. for myself. I have time for my partner. Like we're not snipping at each other all day long. Like we're able to be back mm. to sleeping in the same room together. Like this is so amazing. Yeah. Is there a difference you've seen in men and women with sleep deprivation and how it manifests or how it appears? So the one thing I've noticed is that with women, you know, we, we tend to say like, we can do it all, right? Like we're, okay, yeah, I'm tired, but I, I've got this. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to handle it and push through. Mm -hmm. um, but the symptoms that I find that show up in the majority of the families that I work with or the moms that I work with is they're struggling with a PMAD um, or they're having that irritability or the moodiness, um, the decreased sex drive with, with dads, we're still trying, like, I'm still trying to get them to be more open to talk about it. You know, hmm. they, so for dads, they say that there's about 10% of dads who have postpartum depression, um, mm -hmm. or that's what's reported. Right. But they yeah. estimate 25%. So like, even when I am on these calls with families, I'm not getting as much information from the dads as to how it's affecting them. They just right. kind of say like, well, yeah, you know, like I've had some that'll say, yes, I've noticed that I've been more depressed or anxious or, you know, short, but they don't, when I go through the list, they're not as willing to give me as much um, mm. insight as to what they're experiencing. Yeah. So there's still this wall barrier between dads and even sharing this that most likely they're experiencing it, but even talking about it. Right. Yeah. And that's, I, I would say that's common just in my industry as well, that definitely men under report for various, you know, societal, you know, I think, uh, societal reasons or how they've been trained or socialized to talk about these things. And so I think that's absolutely right. That's definitely underreported in men. And I think what I'm hearing is there's not really a difference. Um, it's just more about a lack of reporting or feeling comfortable with reporting possibly. Yeah. It's going to have, a, you know, various impacts on different persons depending on just who and how they're wired that you might see someone be more irritable. Maybe someone's, you know, again, like snacking more, maybe someone else is, you know, it's hard to focus and concentrate. Maybe they're breaking down and more moody, more, you know, lack of patience or maybe all of the above, but it's going to, it's kind of like varied from person to person, right? It's not going to be the same thing with everyone, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the list of the common symptoms, which, you know, I'm sure you, 
like you mentioned previously, the symptoms of sleep yeah. deprivation and postpartum depression or depression in general, they're very, very much the same, very similar, right? Mm-hmm. And right. when you have two patients that are struggling with postpartum depression, they're not exhibiting the same symptoms necessarily as the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the families that I work with. It's, you know, I can go through that list and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going, I'm dealing with the top three. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next person is like, yeah, I've got like the bottom four on that list, but they yeah. are kind of, you know, they're showing some of those symptoms to some varying degree. It is. Yeah. It's very much person to person, client to client. Um, and it's unique to each individual, but it's going to somewhere fall along the lines of these kind of symptoms, mm-hmm. um, that there are specific things that sleep deprivation does impact. Um, and so when you find when working with a client or clients, when they are sleep deprived, what are some things you do or can do? What are some ways you address it? Um, how do you help them? How do you help them as like a couple? If they're, if it's impacting the relationship, what are some things you find helpful, um, to help them navigate this season of kind of sleep deprivation? So the process that I use with families, I utilize a a holistic process when it comes to supporting them through sleep. Um, so there's a lot of education, you know, background information to begin with. And then once we start making those improvements with their child's sleep, we also start focusing on things like self-care, but a higher level of self-care, not like a, just go take a bath or just go do a face mask. I'm really having these families actually send over um, a questionnaire for them to really dive into themselves and what's really important to them, what their core values are now that they've become a parent. Um, And then also bringing back that time where they're doing something that truly means something to them. Because if we're not feeding into ourselves, it's hard for us to feed into our relationship. It's hard for us to feed into our children. So how partners can overall support each other through this difficult time where you're not Mm -hmm. getting the sleep that you need. Building that teamwork really makes Mm -hmm. a big difference. And also the communication factor, like being able to communicate with your partner hey, listen, you know, I had a really rough day today. I'm going to need some extra support going into the nighttime. If you can allow me um, a certain window where I can actually get a little bit of sleep. Um, Mm. Another thing that I do with that relationship building is talking about bringing back in some date nights. You know, once you Mm. are getting some of that rest that you need, bringing in those date nights, whether they're out and about or at home, finding creative ways Mm. to do that so that, now that you have the rest, you can feed into yourself and your partner. Yeah. And and I'm wondering with that too, um, when people do come, how, how many were a rough percentage of people that just due to lack of understanding of what sleep deprivation is, like how, what is the percentage of people that, that helps them to understand this is actual sleep deprivation? I would say pretty much every, like a hundred percent, you know, mm-hmm. most of them are coming into it and they're like, I know I'm tired, but like, that's yeah. it. They don't realize that all of these other things that they're experiencing throughout the day, all these other symptoms are Mm. direct symptoms of that sleep deprivation. And how have you seen that help them once they have that kind of education, understanding of, oh, this is sleep deprivation? It helps them be more okay with reaching out for help. Like Mm. they know that they're at a level that's not sustainable and they, it's like all of a sudden they become more okay or on board with, you know, whether it's sleep training or reaching out to somebody for support so that they can get more sleep. Um, Because when we talk about it, like how sleep deprivation affects your overall, not just the mom's overall mental health, but the whole entire family. You know, if mom is sleep deprived and struggling with any of these symptoms, it directly impacts their partner. 
and their children. Mm-hmm. And when they hear about it that way, it's almost like an eye opener. Like, I mean, it really is impacting it. Like now that I think about it, and oftentimes we're just too tired to piece all of this together. I mean, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I was too tired to figure out that the lack of sleep from my second son was affecting how I was with my husband, how I was with my older child, how I was with my mm-hmm. dogs. You know, it affects everything. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It does affect, it's everything. Cause sleep is, in fact, it's funny, you know, talking about sleep, you know, one of the first things even in my profession as a therapist, I look at is how are you sleeping? <laughs> one of the very first things I assess when I'm looking at people, depression or panic symptoms or no matter what it is, one of the things I assess is what does their sleep hygiene look like? Are they getting restful sleep? Yeah. And so it, it's, I think more so when we have a newborn is, well, the reality is we're going to be sleep deprived. Like that is first and foremost, right? Like I almost like, I feel like education needs to be done more so like, you know, but you don't really know. And now for a short break. So if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. Uh, in fact, let me ask you this question. What do you think if we could, you know, have a class for oh, expected parents, <laughs> what are like the top three things you'd want them to know about sleep deprivation during the newborn phase oh, that maybe we don't know about? This is, so you're speaking my language here. I so wish like, and that's something that I want to do is have this class that's part of what you, you know, you take the hospital tour, you do the, the car seat class and all of that. But like, you need a sleep deprivation class. Like you Mm, need this class before the baby comes so you can know what to look out for. So Mm. a class that would help parents develop a postpartum plan for sleep, uh, teaching them the different resources that are available and the different ways that they can support each other to ensure that each parent is getting the rest that they need and uh, communication on how to talk about your sleep needs with your partner. One thing that I run into a lot is um, like moms will say, oh, you know, my partner works. They work all day. So they have to get. Mm. And it's like, well, so do you. And you don't get a lunch break or, mm. you know, a coffee break or any of that. Like you are mm. sun up to sundown and then you're on during the night too. Like you're working yeah. as well and you need that rest. Both of you need it. How to communicate with each other and then also giving parents basic steps on how to create good sleep hygiene for their new baby. Mm. And then a list of the signs and symptoms to look out for. And I think when both parents are aware of those signs and symptoms, that can be really beneficial because they can start, oh, okay, you know, I see my partner's been a little bit moodier, a little bit more irritable lately. Gosh, what's their sleep been like? Like, yeah, the baby mm. was up 10 times last night. All right, what yeah. can I do to support my partner? So yeah. I think like that support, the education on what sleep deprivation looks like and how to create that good sleep hygiene from the get-go, I would love to have in a class. <laughs> yeah, I I would totally recommend that class to everybody because I feel like that is something that's not really fully talked about. Um, you know, you mentioned the car seat class, you know, the day of baby coming class, and I think those are important, but the more and more 
well, after having three kids and the more and more I talk with people, I think there's certain things that are important that we need to address. Like what is our sleep plan? What does it look like for us? Um, you know, are, you know, what does it look like for a family, you know, who is solely breastfeeding versus solely bottle feeding versus maybe they do both, right? How does that impact sleep? And how do we, and it goes back to the plan of how do we plan for sleep? Because that's going to look different from family to family, right? But still, and I like what you said um, earlier is team, the importance of team. Um, and that just kind of like in my mind right now is like, how important is team in this phase? So important. So, so important. And when you look at it, like, I, I mean, I know it's tough because for a lot of families, you know, you have the baby and there's not a good paternity leave, Right. Right. So their partner is going back to work so fast. For me, I remember I had I ended up with an emergency C-section with my first kiddo. I was in the hospital for five days. We came home. Oh. And it was like two days later, my husband went back to work. Oh, wow. And I'm sitting there like, I can barely lift this baby, let alone do all the other things that need to get done around here. So having that plan together as well, like, okay you're back at work, but like, what can you still do to help out in the household? What can I do mm -hmm. to support you with your sleep and your job? Having that teamwork, yeah. um, having that plan right from the get go sets families up for much better success. And some, and some with that team, you know, I, and I agree, I think team is so important as well. Um, and I found that incredibly beneficial with my wife and I, you know, we talk with couples about this all the time is that, you know, you guys are a team. Um, and especially within this newborn phase, like more so. Um, and to remind yourself, and I, and I can't count how many times when we realized how, when we were sleep deprived, how much we came back to and we actually made sleep deprivation the enemy, not each other. Like that's the enemy. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're, it's sleep deprivation. This is not us. Like this is not how we are. And that helped us. We would bring humor into it as well when we were just done. It's like, this is not who we are. You know, going back to what you said earlier that, you know, once you start to sleep more, you start to think clear. But when you're sleep deprived, you can't, you can't think clearly. It's, you're clouded. Your, your, your emotions are high. It's, I mean, that's why it's a form of torture, right? I mean, that's why. 100%. You know, that's people torture people by not letting them sleep. There's a reason. Some families do have it harder and there's nothing they could necessarily actually do about it Some to some degree. And maybe you could speak on that where some people have, I don't want to say easier, but maybe their baby does sleep more quickly. Maybe they don't have colic. Maybe they have more family support who could come in and help out where some families don't have that. They don't have family support. Maybe they have, you know, something else contributing factors that are causing sleep that they just have to get through in time is really the the, the win, right? That I have to give it time and eventually that time wins. I don't know if you could speak on that at all about the differences from families that have a lot of support versus barely any, if you've seen a difference within those families. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a big difference. You know, if you have a good support system, like grandparents that want to come over or friends that are coming over to help out, or if you have the financial ability to hire, you know, a postpartum doula or a night nanny, um, these can really have a drastic impact on the quality of sleep that you're getting. Um, whereas other families may not have those kinds of resources or they live far from family. Um, you know, let's say you've got a military family who has moved clear across the country from anybody that they know and just welcomed this new baby and they don't have those resources. It's, it's really hard. And so that's, that's also where I love how, sleep consulting or sleep coaches are coming more into play um, because it is a great resource for families that may not have 
a good support system. Um, mm. There's so much knowledge out there on the, online now. You can get books to help you with figuring out your child's sleep. You can um, read, you know, you can get courses or guides, things like this to help you problem solve. Um, so while that may work for many families, then we also have the families that their kiddos are just really they've got something else contributing to their sleep that just really makes it difficult. Like you mentioned the colic or reflux or Mm -hmm. another health condition. Um, And my heart totally breaks for these families when you're just battling against so many layers, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to get your family to sleep, Um, you know, allergies, things like that. I actually have a client right now that I'm working with that we're figuring out that their kiddo is not sleeping because of a lactose sensitivity. Mm. It's like you've peeled through all the layers. You can't figure out why. And you've brought in all these support systems. Yeah. And it's, it's just tough because it does vary from baby to baby. You have your yeah. unicorn sleepers, you have your, right. your rough sleepers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's helpful for especially new parents. So well, even maybe parents coming with their second is that first, every baby's different. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. And you have unicorn sleepers and that's not everybody. You have, you know, unicorn rough sleepers. You have call, you have all these other contributing factors. I think for some new, you know, I remember for being a new parent, like you don't, you don't know the end, like what, what is this? Right. And remember with our first finding out it was colic and everything and realizing it's like, oh, it's colic. And while there's some fix to that, um, some of it is just time. I remember yeah. it's like time. I mean, part of it was time, but there's things we can do and it helped for sure. But I mean, as a first time parent, if you knew that it's like, if I had the perspective, it's like, Oh, okay. I know this will end. But when you're a first time parent, you don't know, you don't know. And I remember being there like, will this end? Will we sleep? And how do we navigate all these things? And I remember at times being discouraged because you just don't know, you don't know, like, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? You know, um, looking back, it's like, yeah, there, there was a light. Absolutely. <laughs> and that probably would have helped knowing <laughs> the first time, you yeah. know, knowing maybe having a class on what sleep deprivation and what are some things we could do about it. Um, and how do we work as a team? Like you said, I think your class would be great. I think you should, you know, not that you need my permission, but you should totally do it. You should do a class <laughs> and get it out there make that, make that normal for people to take it as part of their, you know, baby prep, you know, like while car seats are important, all those, you know, how to swaddle babies, and these are all important things. Yeah. But I think there's certain things like this, and this is one of them that I think, man, if it was talked about more, I think would help a lot of new families have perspective. So when they're in it, it's like, oh, I, I remember, oh, that this is sleep deprivation. I have more awareness now, and I could talk about this and realize how do we have a plan because we've talked about it. Yeah. Um, whether you're a bottle feeding family or a breastfeeding family or somewhere between, or if you have a baby has colic or no colic, like I think if you have the conversation, it could really help. Uh, kind of mitigate a lot of unneeded suffering. And I think that's the, the biggest is because you're so tired and it's so hard when you're exhausted, you know, how defeated you could feel when you just want to sleep. And it could be like torture. I remember those days. It's like, wow, this feels like torture. Oh, 100%. Um, it was hard. I, I remember, well, so my first one, he was my unicorn sleeper. Mm. My second one was my awful sleeper. And mm. even with knowing that like sleep will get better, you know, like seeing what other people have gone through. I still felt like I could not see that light at the end of the tunnel Mm. and wished that I would have had more education on sleep Mm. and what to do and how to support my baby and, and how to ask for support. Um, I did actually co-author a mental health ebook with a couple of other postpartum professionals. Um, so of course my section's all on sleep. Um, but you know, this is an ebook 
where it may not be available to everybody, right? So in order to get it more available or have this kind of information available to more people doing a class like that, I just, I think it should be a standard when it comes to preparing for baby, like what doctors Mm. are recommending versus just the other courses or classes that they do recommend to take. That'll be in the works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I th- I think it's a good thing. I think a lot of things I find, even in the mental health world, is I find it's just not talked about enough. You know, it's not in our classes, you know, um, or in schooling enough, you know, how we're educated. Um, and so the, we get to these places in life when these are really important things and we just don't know about it. And so you know, and then you have to do research, right? Um, and so as, as I'm thinking about kind of this conversation so far and, and sleep deprivation and Part of it is completely normal, and given the circumstance of having a new baby, you will be sleep deprived. Now, to what degree? It's going to be different from every family because it is different. There's no mm-hmm. one size fits all, right? But it's it's assessing what are the needs, what's the environment, you know, what's going on with this family? Do they have support? No support? And I, and I always think of the single parents. I don't know how they do it. If I'm honest, every time I hear of single parents, I'm like, you guys are just you women predominantly, and and sometimes it is men, single parent men, but predominantly women. It's like they're superheroes. I mean, I, I have a partner that I could share stuff with and I can help out and it's hard. I, I, I don't know how single parents do it. I don't, I, I don't, I can't, my mind can't wrap around it. I know they do it, but I don't know how right. they do it. I think they just um, like have this reserve of strength somewhere <laughs> that they pull up and, but also there's the give and take, you know, of realizing yes, there's yes, certain there things I got to let go. Oh, totally. Yeah. And they, I all, I just, yeah, I just all power to what they do. They just blow my mind every day. But I think, you know, in the end, it's, we're all, it's kind of survival mode. In fact, we, uh, we made a joke and we called it the cave, you know, the six month cave. We're in the six month survival cave. And that's how my <laughs> wife and I navigated it. It's like, yep, this is the six month survival cave. And so we would go back to that, have some humor and laugh about it, you know, and actually how do we support? Cause with our family, it was, you know, breastfed only. And mm-hmm. we tried I tried every bottle you could think of. Our kids just wouldn't take the bottle, believe it or not. And um, so, so we just, we, it was really hard. And I tried because I would like, I want to get up. And, but what I did was I'd get up and I'd, I'd always change every diaper. I'd get up and I'd be there to, to put the baby back down. Um, if baby would let me, sometimes baby wouldn't. Um, <laughs> it's just sometimes <laughs> the reality. But I would, I'd get up and change diapers, put baby down, re swallow, do it. So it was, at least there was some, I would do something. I would help yeah. out in some way because going back to team is like, this is how we found as a team, I can contribute and help out. Um, I would also also always let her sleep in in the morning because I'd be, I'd take the first morning shift and like, hey, you sleep. You know, I know baby's been fed. I can take this. You can sleep longer. Um, and so we found ways to navigate it as best we could as a team. Because I think team, team, team is so important in having conversations and supporting each other and understanding. And if you were to encourage maybe the men you've worked with, if you could speak some truth to them and maybe some themes you've seen, what would you want to say to the the fathers you've worked with around this topic? How would you encourage them? So I know a lot of the time fathers can feel discouraged, like they don't know what they can do to help and they're not quite sure how to ask. Um, I think taking that first initial step, whether you know, baby's not here yet, or even if baby is three months old saying, Hey, let's create a plan, how Mm. we can get better sleep, you know, taking that first initial step, I think is going to be huge for their partner. Mm. Um, Letting them know that you care about their sleep, and you want to find a way to work together. 
so that both of you are getting that good sleep that you need. And then like you mentioned with, you know, how you guys handled the night feeds and stuff, we did the same thing. You know, my boys were breastfed too. And so knowing that there are things like that, even if your partner is breastfeeding, there are still ways that you can support them so that they can get even just a few extra minutes of sleep by being that person who respond, like gets the baby, changes the diaper, does the burping, puts them back down. Um, and then when you get to that point where, you know, the night feeds are a little bit more regulated, um, but let's say baby's still having some night wakes, if you're able to be that person that helps to get the baby back down in between feeds, so that you're kind yeah. of splitting the responsibility of those wake ups during the night and then, you know, helping out on the weekends too. But I think really just knowing that while us moms want to try to act like we want to try to be the person who takes on all the things, we don't want to put responsibility on anyone. Um, yeah. Just know that sometimes we try to be stronger than we need to be. And mm. it's hard to ask for help or support but if we've got you on the outside, recognizing that we need a little bit of extra help with some of the things, you know, baby wise or around the house or sleep, mm. um, it's going to mean so much. Yeah. It's really going to mean so, so much. And just yeah. knowing that you have someone who's on your team during the hardest stage of new parenthood, like mm. you said, six month cave. I mean, I, I refer to it as being in the trenches when I talk with families Listen, you are literally on the front line. You are in the trenches. This is the hardest thing you're going to, you know, it's just not having that sleep is incredibly hard, but you will get out. You will get out of the trenches, especially if you're supporting each other. Yeah. And I I love that with, with, you know, sharing with with men is that, hey, take initiative that it's a team, guys. Um, you, you, You are a team and how you support your team member as well finding ways to navigate this and help out with where you can and when you can. Cause I think in some senses, some men, and I'm not saying it's all their fault, but I think sometimes men still get stuck in there. Like, well, I can't do anything with this. This is, you know, mom's job or this is their thing and I have to work. Right. But that goes very much against that. It's about team. Part of the team is that we carry the load together. Right. Um, I think that's where some men can wake up is, Hey, I get it. You got to work. I get it. Um, and you might have a demanding job. I get it. But again, if you're a team, how do you support your team member and saying that it's all up to them is not, I would say not supporting your team member. I'm going to say that just straight up. That's not supporting your team member um, at all. (laughs) That's in (laughs) fact, you're leaving your team member by themselves. Um, and you're kind of off that you're kind of ditching the team. We got to support each other, especially during this. And there is an end to it. That's the, that the whole key with sleep deprivation. The whole point is there's an end to this. Um, last forever. <laughs> it doesn't last forever. And, and what is the, you know, as you look at your statistics and what you've worked with, what is kind of the average time frame, roughly for this kind of phase for most families? You know, I wish I could say there was like a real definitive time frame because I think that would be easier for parents to hear, mm. to know like, oh, by four months, it's better or by six months, it's better. But there's so many other factors that come into play. I mean, I have families that come to me and say, you know, oh my gosh, my baby is nine months old and has never slept through the night and Mm. I don't know what to do, you know? And then I have other families who are like, okay, you know, it's been three months of not sleeping. Let's, let's get to work here and start making improvements. Um, so it's really about when you're willing to take, you know, obviously in the newborn stage, it's going to be what it is going to be. You know, there are things mm-hmm. that you can do to help promote good quality sleep. Um, but majority of newborns are still going to wake up throughout the night. 
Um, right. Which is normal. Yeah. Perfectly normal. Um, mm-hmm. But just letting parents know that when you're ready to take those steps, if you don't have the lovely unicorn sleeper, <laughs> when you're mm-hmm. ready to take those steps to start working on your child's sleep, that shortly thereafter, like for my families, I tell them, listen, you know, assuming we don't run into any other speed bumps within two weeks, we should be getting much, much better sleep. So once you start taking those steps, you can know that the end is very near <laughs> when it comes yeah. to the sleep deprivation. Yeah, yeah. And I like that because uh, I think it's very realistic that there is no average, but there is an end. Mm-hmm. And it's better understanding of what is your family's unique circumstances, what are your needs, um, where are you at, and how do we help you find that path, kind of navigate out of the woods, out of the cave, out of the trenches, because um, there is an end. It is just different for every family. And so even to hear that, I think for some families is helpful. Like there is an end. It's just, it's not a standard, like it's two months. Because that's the problem I think with social media is that we see social media. We see, you know, influence. We see things out there. And I think we, we natural for all of us to compare saying, well, what the heck, you know, they're doing this, they're doing this and it's working for them. And I think there isn't a one size fits all. No. Um, And yeah, with, you know, with social media or your friend or your neighbor, you hear about their baby sleeping through the night at eight weeks or 12 weeks. mm -hmm. It's so hard not to compare. Um, I mean, I, I did it with my own children. You know, I was like, well, what the heck your brother was sleeping through the night at 11 weeks. Why aren't you sleeping through the night? What's wrong? What am I doing wrong? And that's something that is, um, that I hear a lot is parents are coming mm-hmm. to me. I'm doing something wrong. I'm messing my baby up because they're not sleeping mm-hmm. through the night. No, you're not. You're doing what you got to do to survive during this very difficult time. And it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's just your baby. You know, we just got to figure out how to help your baby sleep. Like yeah. it's different for every child. One method works yeah. for baby A and baby B is not responsive to that method. And you got to figure out something completely different for them. Right. I love that you said that. I think that's, you know, a takeaway from today's conversation is that stop blaming yourself. What's wrong mm-hmm. with me? Stop comparing, which is not, I did it too. I remember comparing to people. It's like their baby sleeping. It's natural to compare, but the comparison doesn't actually help you any. It makes you feel worse about yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think that's number one is let go of comparing, <laughs> but actually look at your needs as a family and your circumstance per baby, per kid. Um, and per life context, because your life context with baby one, a might be different with baby B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, however many you got might be different. I love Um, that you life context because yeah, what, what's happening in your life at those two different points can be so different. And some things you have control over and some things you don't, Mm -hmm. um, colic for us, we looked at all things. We had no control over like it happening. It just happened. Um, we looked at all things that we can contribute. We looked at all things. We eliminated none of that. We did all the way within our control. And some things you just, you have no control over. You could just, okay, how do we navigate this? I think as best we can, how do we help as best we can? I think sometimes that is the answer is it's a waiting game. And I know that, you know, with, at least with the research call, it just starts to go away at a certain time. And there is an average there that it does start to kind of fix itself or correct itself. Um, but in the beginning, there's certain things you just can't control. And so as a kind of a final closeout, um, again, the themes I'm thinking of today is teamwork is big. Stop comparing yourself. Um, good education around sleep deprivation. 
you know, how do we help support each other in this phase in our context and that we're working together as a unit that we are, everything impacts everyone else in our family unit. If mom's not getting sleep, it's going to affect dad and vice versa and your work and your kids and your dogs, like you said earlier, it affects everything and that it is a phase. We will get out of it, but there, I think there are ways with this conversation that we could more effectively navigate this and I think maybe lessen some of the difficulties and strengthen some of the bond and connection with each other within our family. And so with that said, how can we find you? Where are you? How do people reach out for you for support if needed? You know, can you share some of those details? Yeah. Um, so my website is mindfulsleepconsulting.com. And then you can find me on Instagram and Facebook um, at mindful underscore sleep. Um, on my website, there's a contact form. If you feel like you're in need of support when it comes to your child's sleep, you can just complete that form and I'll be in contact with you to set up a call. I do a complimentary consultation for every family. Um, so it's about a 30 minute call where we you know, we talk about your child's sleep struggles, what your goals are for their sleep and how I can support your family. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. And I'm going to share all these links, everyone listening. They're going to be in the details um, that'll be clickable to take you to all of the places. Um, and I appreciate you coming on and talking about sleep deprivation and the power of sleep as well as some things that we can do about it and education. Thank you so much for having this important conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone. <laughs>